maybe it's because since day one, when I saw the footage, I wanted to see the towers go down. And to this day, I always rewatched it. I always rewatch the towers. Occasionally when I feel like I'm not letting emotions out or something of the sort, I go watch the towers go down just to cry. Or I watch it over and over again every anniversary. I want that feeling to come out. So part of me, it's kind of like a healing process. Hello, everyone. This is David Ferrugio. I am the host of Dead Talks, and I'm going to tell you my story, which essentially is the inspiration behind this entire podcast. And that story begins on September 11th, today that I think most of you have heard of. It's also the day that my dad died. He worked in the World Trade Center. And I think how I kind of lead most of my guests to start, since I'm just talking to myself, so hopefully it's not terribly boring for you guys. I'll start with day one, which is that Tuesday on September 11th. I was 12 years old. I was in seventh grade. And the first thing I remember was first period because my buddy Jeff, who was, you know, religiously not on time for school, happened to come to first period late, which was after the first tower hit. So it had to be sometime, I don't know, a little after nine o'clock. He comes up to me as soon as he walks in and goes, Dave, doesn't, doesn't your dad work at, in the towers? I'm like, yeah, Why? He goes, well, I think a plane flew into the towers, and I, let alone at 12 years old. I was like, what, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you saying? What, that, what does that even mean? And I don't think anyone knew what the hell was going on most of that day, but at some point I remember going down to the main office, and I wanted to call my mom and call the family and see what the hell was going on. Because I remember kids getting called out of school, and we lived in a town in Jersey that was a, a heavy commuter town, so you know everyone worked in the city. And they wouldn't let me make the phone call, which I thought was weird. Even to this day, I mean, I, I guess I knew what they were doing, but at the time it was, I had to go through the entire day not knowing what was going on. And my mom made the choice to not pull me out of school, which I, even as a man today, I think was the right choice. Was she going to pull me into the chaos that was going on, the uncertainty? So I had to go through the whole day not knowing what was going on and wondering, is this real? What the hell's happening? Is my dad okay? What's my family doing? I remember even getting made fun of. <laughs> I'm not going to drop any names because he's a good dude, but at the time, he was kind of making fun of me that I was looking worried before uh, confirming that you know my dad died, so fuck you. But other than that, went through the school day wondering what the hell was going on, and then it was time to go home. It was time to walk home. So I guess this is what, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And what makes that so weird to me now thinking about it is that that was in the middle of the afternoon at that point, which means the towers went down. At this point, I didn't know, obviously, but... Thinking back, reflecting on it, I was walking home, not knowing what happened. And at that point, it was already done. You know? Towers was already down. My dad was already gone. But I didn't know it at that time. So reflecting on it just, I don't know, just weirds me out. But anyway, my best friend of now 30 years or so <laughs> got suspended from the school bus before the school year started. So to tell you what kind of troublemaker he was, he was suspended from the school bus before the school year started. So, which ended up being a blessing because he was right by my side and I couldn't have had anyone else better than him to walk by my side that day. And I don't remember what was said. There's a lot I don't remember. So I'm going to preface the rest of the story with that. But I remember walking home and I made that one bend around the, around the block. And that was the first time I could see my house. And that's when I saw cars outside. There was just the entire cul-de-sac was filled with cars surrounding my house. And that was the moment that confirmed that shit went down and I was about to walk into something that, you know, would change me forever. And so I remember walking to the house because James got pulled aside 
and all my family, my cousins, everyone was there. And all I remember was just walking to my living room and I see my cousins there. And I think it was my mom or someone was trying to pull me away from the TV, but I, I wanted to look at the TV to see what happened. And that was the first time I saw the replay. Like I said, it was a replay because all this went down already of the towers going down. And all I remember is bursting into tears. I just, I was aware, I mean, I was only 12, but it was pretty clear what the hell just happened. And that's when I lost it for the first time. And as I prefaced earlier, there's so much I don't remember. That's the crazy thing. It's like, clearly I was a young age. I was 12, but I'm not young enough to not remember things. Like, obviously I remember my relationship with my father, but there's so much I don't remember from there on after. And from what I understand, what makes the most sense is clearly a defense mechanism for my body just to like block that shit out because it was so traumatic, which is your body pretty much saying, we're going to bury this right now so you can handle it, but you, we're going to fuck you up later. So you have to figure this out when you're a man, which is what pretty much happened. And um, not that I'm fucked up. I'm good. But, you know, I always wonder how much that day affects who I am today and has affected my decisions and my subconscious thoughts and just who I operate on, who I am as a man today. It was, I don't know, that's something I need to dig down on because I've never had therapy or anything of the sort. But I guess following that time after that day, you know, my mom, my sisters, everyone around me was just a rock. The, the support system that we had was just, to this day, it was just, it's kind of ridiculous. Because I know I've spoke to so many people on this podcast. And I've spoke to so many people in my life that have gone through shit like we all do, such as life. But not everyone has a support system, which I can't imagine how much harder that makes going through anything. And I was fortunate enough to have an amazing support system that got me and my family through it. And the leader of that pack was my mom. She, in my opinion, did everything right. I mean, I, I don't know what's right or wrong, but she's a bull. She grabbed the bull by the horns and she realized that life goes on. And so she has to keep us moving, especially at a young age. I think she had the perspective of, which I've heard her say even, and Ma, if you're listening, just I hope I'm saying this right. She didn't want my, she didn't want her kids to get fucked up with this. I, even though she lost her, she just lost her husband. She's got three kids, me at 12. I think Gina was maybe like 17, Jack and probably like 18, 19, both in college. And she had to kind of, she had to keep us moving and we all handled our own way. But I was back in school, maybe like a week later, give or take, or sometime short thereafter. And we just had to keep going. And that's ever since then, I feel like I took that upon me for the rest of my life. Not that you're, you don't let it just disappear and say, oh, that didn't happen, but life keeps going on. And I feel like I've developed that attitude whenever I go through shit that, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay some way. But there's a lot of things that I look back on that makes me reflect on my experience so much more. Like I remember, like I said, there's so much I don't remember. Like I don't remember, I remember hanging out with my brother-in-law now all the time, still playing video games and it was happened just to keep me, I guess, preoccupied. One experience that I don't remember that my mom brought up was I guess she mentioned that I didn't really let a lot out, which once again, kind of inspired this podcast about talking about it because I was never one to really let go and have these open conversations. I guess I held it in. But apparently there was a night where I guess I knocked on my mom's bedroom door or something of the sort and I just went into her bed and just bawled out, like just let it all out. And she was telling me that she was so relieved that I let that out. I don't remember that. I don't know what prompted it. Maybe it was just boiling up inside and eventually it came out. But she was telling me that was a really... I don't know. It was, a, it was a very critical moment. And I guess me getting through that process that again, I don't even remember. I just remember getting through the years. And the biggest thing that hurt me was not so much what I went through, but maybe thinking about my sisters 
and even and my mom in so many ways, obviously. But you know what I learned down the road was I would always see her in the basement by herself, and we would you know continue on with life, and I'd go out or do something of the sort, and my mom would always be by herself, you know, until she found you know another love in her life that I'm very grateful for. You know, she, I, I never thought about, I thought about, I was like, my mom's just by herself. She always tell me she's good. She'd always, you know, try to cry behind closed doors, which I didn't really know at the time. And she would tell me, you know, as I got older, we were able to have a heart to heart. She would say, once we left, that's when she would let it all out. She was so, the, how strong my mom is and my family in general, of course, and my sisters is just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable that she had to carry that so much of the burden and be strong for us. So, I mean, Besides the, the all the support system that I had, you know, I owe so much to her, um, and that's obvious. And you know, the the biggest regret that I have, not even regret. That's that's the wrong word. I, I I always try to reflect on how that changed me. Like obviously, it did. I think it changed a lot of my perspective on life, what I'm grateful for, the chances that it took. Maybe that was a big reason for me coming to California. I don't know. But there's so many other you know flaws that I have in my person, whether my personality or my habits that I really try to dig down and figure out how that day really affected me. Honestly, I don't know. I think I do need to see a shrink and I'm sorry for calling him a shrink, but I'm an East Coast Italian. I don't know what else to say it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes through my mind today as I got older. And I remember someone I spoke to, uh, Claire Bidwell Smith, who's an author and a grief expert. I told her that I was like, I feel like when I hit 30 or 31, I really started, I'm 33 now, really started reflecting on things. And she said, I guess that's a common a common occurrence when you lo- when you lose a you lose someone at a young age for whatever reason maybe it's just men as well once you hit that 30 to 33 age she was saying that's a really pivotal point where you really start thinking about things and my point is as i got older i really started reflecting on the situation way more way more because again there's so much i don't remember that's what frustrates me it frustrates me to not really understand what i felt as a kid if I, actually it really kills me like i don't even i don't even know if i handled it well if i handled it shitty and you know, I remember people telling me that I was the man of the house, but I always think, did I step up as a, as a man? Because I, I don't remember. I was so young. I don't know if it's regret or what, but I always think about, yes, I was the literal man, the only man of the house because I was the only one with a bichadil. But I don't know if, I, to this day, I don't know if I stepped up as the man of my house. Like, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to turn 18, go to war? What, what the I, I don't know. That wasn't in me either. So that's a big thing that I always reflect on. You know, I have to ask my mom, my sisters that. I'm sure they'll say nice things. But... I don't know. The the biggest thing I miss so much about is that becoming a man and being a man now is that I, I miss that. I miss those. I didn't get a chance to have a beer with my dad, even though I snuck a beer here and there and he made, he gave me a sip of what he was drinking. But like, I, I feel like these are the best times being a grown man and hanging, having that talent with your father. These are the best times. I'm missing the best moments right now. And I was blessed to have those first 12 years of him being a fantastic dad, being in my little league game and all that. So at the same time, you know, even when you lose someone and you go through that trauma, you can either go two ways. It's been over and over on this podcast, but you can choose left, you can choose right. Obviously, there's plenty of other directions, but you can see the light, you can stay in the darkness. Honestly, staying sad is way more easier than working on it to be happier. And, you know, that's a big lesson that I've heard. Like, I'm, I'm going through some things right now, and that's life. We all go through that, those things. So I don't play the victim. I don't feel pity on myself because at the end of the day, someone always has it worse. But a lot of that day of perseverance that was instilled on me through my mom and my sisters you know, that, that, that stays with you for the rest of your life. It's like one of those things, if I dealt with this, what else is going to knock me down? But it, it doesn't make other things easier. That doesn't, I wish it did, but it doesn't. I'm kind of going to go on, probably going to go on a rant from here. Cause once again, I have no one asking me questions, it's just me and all these lights. Yeah. I, I don't know that that day was so, the day was so fucked up. 
it's so weird when I think about it. You know, it's part of me in this podcast. It's like I like to be direct with it, and I can say, "Yeah, my my dad, my dad didn't pass. My dad, my dad's dead. My dad was killed." That's the crazy thing. When I think about it. I, I get really intimate with him. Like my dad was wasn't a targeted attack on him specifically, but it's like my dad was murdered. My dad was killed, and I think it's important to be okay with saying those things. So I feel like the, the, since I'm more comfortable saying that. I don't know if I'm just burying a lot of things down, but I'm just, I feel like that's part of the acceptance and acceptance is a major part of that. It's a major part of so many things. And it's so, it's so much easier said than done. But once you just accept things the way they are, even if you fucked up terribly, even if you've gone through this or that, it's really up to us to let the baggage go. And, and I'm, when I let the baggage go, it's not that I'm forgetting about my dad. That's the exact opposite. I mean, I'm, I brought his little Cooperstown little bat with me right now that he had as a kid. I don't know why, but I wanted it next to me. And it's not about forgetting it because you never forget it. You kind of evolve around grief, if anything. It doesn't, it sticks with you forever. But I don't know. It's just, it's just an experience that you, it's just part of life. And like I said, I don't feel pity for anything. But back to what I was saying, lost my train of thought. In regards to carrying, dropping that baggage, I was always one that, maybe it's because since day one when I saw the footage, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the towers go down. And to this day, I always rewatched it. I always rewatched the towers. Occasionally when I'm, feel like I'm not letting emotions out or something of the sort, I go watch the towers go down just to cry. Or I watch it over and over again on every anniversary. I want that feeling to come out. So part of me, it's kind of like a healing process of maybe because I just don't cry normally that this is a way to get it out. I don't know what it is about seeing it. I don't know if I replay back to what I could have done differently as a kid. And once again, I got to cut myself some slack. I understand I was only a 12-year-old boy, but I don't know. Sometimes I wish this I could have done things differently, handled things differently. But at the end of the day, that's part of it. It's part of it. it whatever we decide to do in the moment, that that's it. It's another part of acceptance. And um yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Like I it sucks that my dad's gone, but at the same time, it t- it taught us so much. Me and my family are already so close, but it brought us even closer together. It's changed my perspective on life to this day. And I think about it all the time. If I didn't have that experience, how different would I be? Would I be a, would I have I become a better man? I don't I don't know. It's just an experience that we're all going to go through one day. I happen to go through this experience. It doesn't make it better or worse than anyone else's. But I definitely learned that the importance of feeling what I feel. Like I said, things I go through now, I'm not really much of an escapist in the sense that I don't go drink to get out of a situation. I don't, if anything, I hibernate more and, and get deeper in myself. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's better because I think I, I get through it and I feel it. I don't avoid it because the more you avoid these feelings it's just going to catch up later. Like when I was a kid, like I held it in so much and eventually just poured out of me. That's going to happen to you now. If you don't deal with your shit, hopefully in a healthier way sooner than later, it's going to hit you down the road. And I realized the importance of just feeling what you feel. And that's the only way to get through it. You really can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go on top. You got to go through it. And that's definitely, you know, a big lesson that my mom, my mom instilled on me. And, uh, you know, I, I think my sisters would say the same thing. I don't know. That's another thing. I need to talk to my, uh, I'll have my sisters and my mom on here and have a deeper conversation because I feel like this is a story that can go from so many different points of view, how my sisters saw me, how they experienced it, they experienced it so differently. And it goes back to trauma or any bullshit that we go through. It's like you could be in the same household, you could be around a similar age, but you're going to experience it so much differently. That's why it's tough to say when someone, I'm just throwing it out there, but when someone else passes and you don't know what to say, just don't say, uh, I don't like saying I'm sorry. Once again, like you didn't, you didn't fly the plane into the building. I understand where you're coming from, but you didn't do it. You don't say I can't imagine because you don't know. It's hard to say you can't. You really can't imagine because that makes you. You say I can't imagine. You're almost putting them more on an island and saying like, oh man, this shit is even worse than I thought. If this person can't imagine it, I don't even know where I was going with that. But it comes from a good place, I guess. But um, 
like I said, I, I think about this in my idle times. I think about my decisions in life. I think about what my dad would think of me. I think about how he would advise me. And I have had plenty of male figures in my life that have been truly supportive and my friends, my friend's fathers, my brother-in-law and his family. Um, but sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel isolated. I don't know. Like I, even though I've had that male, the great, really great male role models, I just don't have my dad. And I'm, but it's like, yeah, so many people don't even, never even had a dad. So it's like, it was it's the same, it's the same friggin' circle. It's like, there's a level of gratefulness. It's like, I had my dad for 12 years. I should be happy, but like, yeah, but it's still fucking sad and it sucks. So I don't know, maybe this will continue another time and I can get in some more depth about more about the stories. Perhaps y'all have questions or anything, but I don't know. It's obviously something that, that shifts your life forever. And I'm still figuring things out. It's been 22 years at this point, 21 years, whatever the hell it's been, 33, 2001. But, uh, it's, it's a forever process. And then at the end of the day, I still wonder how much that experience is really engraved in me. I still wonder how much of that shapes my decisions today and how much of my flaws that I have. We all have flaws, obviously, but how much of that I still have to let go. You know, like I, I, that's something I need to work out. Whether I need to talk to someone, whether I need to do more DMT, I have no idea, but I need to do something to figure out what the hell is causing me to do what I do. Cause I'm for, clearly everyone's far from perfect, but like, you know, we all have our, we all have our demons. We all have our bad habits that we could improve upon. I always just wonder how much of that stems from that. Because so much of what we're driven is, is subconscious. What 90, 95% of what we do is subconscious, which is habitual, which is us automatic. And a lot of those things get instilled of us through traumatic experiences and through habits that we learned or heard or experienced at a young age. So it's like, it's hard, it's hard for me not to think how much that day, that, that day fucked me up. Even my mom said it. She said, she kind of said it in like an East Coast, beautiful Italian mother way. Like, I think it did fuck you up, but she didn't say it. And like, I'm like a total nutball. But, you know, from her experience, obviously it had to do something to me. It did something to my sisters. It did something to us. And I got to let the, I got to figure out what it is. And I feel like I know, but it's part of this letting go. It's so important just to let things go. Like the shit we go through, so much easier said than done. But like I said, with the baggage, we're just carrying this baggage in our hands. Every day we're carrying so much baggage in our hands that it's up to us to literally just put that shit down. Put that shit down because it's past in the past. Sometimes you got to learn from it. Can't dwell on it. You can't get too absorbed in it. You got to learn from it, reflect, sure. But we got to let that baggage go. And it's an analogy much easier said than understood. But I don't know. I just think about my experience with my dad, especially in shitty moments where I'm like, okay, this is it. This is okay. This is how I feel. However I feel, that's okay too. So I don't know. 9 11 is crazy. <laughs> I also had a weird thought the other day. I was like, Whatever countries are like, you know, a day ahead, do they still call it 9-11? Like, isn't that technically September 12th for some places? I wonder if they ever worried about that, but no, that's just, that's just my thought. Other than that, guys, that's a, that's a little bit of my story. I can go on for nine more hours. I don't even know how long it's been, but for anyone that's listening, if you ever, honestly, if you guys have specific questions, I'll chop it up a little bit more, answer questions, whether on here or well, probably not in here because I'm going to be talking to other people, but feel free to reach out to me. DMs, emails, whatever. I think you asking me questions might help me. This podcast has actually been truly healing for me in many ways. So hopefully this podcast, you know, connects to some people, whether you lost someone in 9-11 or not. Um, you know, we all go through it one way or another. And I hope this connects to people to shift a little bit of a perspective that haven't lost someone. That's a big thing. One thing I learned from this experience of trauma is trauma is a great teacher, fantastic teacher, a bitch, but it's a fantastic teacher. And I don't want people to wait for trauma to shift your perspective, whether it's gratefulness or a change in attitude or the way you live your life. You know, if trauma happens, it can be, like I said, a hell of a teacher, but I don't want a lot of people to wait for trauma 
to shift their perspective in life and go on a path that you may, you know, better prefer. Um, so I hope people can take that from my story from more important than the other stories I'm going to continue to have on this podcast. But, uh, that's my 9-11 story. That's where I'm at right now. I'm probably going to end this right now and regret not saying a lot of things, but Signed, sealed, and delivered. That's it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks, a solo version in memory of September 11th popping up. And that's it, guys. This is Dave Ferrugia, your host of Dead Talks. Thank you so much.